welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Does Bigfoot actually exist? If so, what exactly is he, she, or it? Can and should Bigfoot be killed for science or any other reason? Hello and welcome to the 681st edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Uh, I am Ben, and uh, those large-souled questions came from my co-host, dad, and partner in the paranormal, Paul. And today's show has barely started, and it's already controversial, judging from our uh, listener emails, but we will hear what our guest has to say, so we welcome your calls. Numbers are 800-449-1240, that's from anywhere in the country. and well, uh, On the continent. Or on the continent, I should say, so U.S. or Canada. Not Europe. Okay. No, not Europe. So you could also call 401-766-1240 here in Northern Rhode Island, and we will monitor your, e- your emails. Uh, Paul at BehindTheParanormal.com for those. Uh, before we introduce our guest, I wanted to introduce a, a, a sort of a, um, a spur of the moment, uh, surprise, pleasant surprise, guest co-host, Logan Freeman, a very, very dear friend of ours, a filmmaker, a documentarian, uh, who has done uh, some research on the paranormal in our private library, which we don't mm-hmm. often let people do. So, Logan, uh, say hello to all the nice people. Well, hey, uh, yeah, I'm Logan, it's great to be here. Um, I'm just... Really lucky just to get to hang out with these guys and uh, seek out some truth like everybody else is trying to do. Excellent. Keep talking. <laughs> so anyway, let's introduce our guest. Uh, Jim Lansdale is the leader of the team in the reality television series Killing Bigfoot, seen on Destination America and in Canada on the T&E Network. Jim has been hunting Bigfoot for the last 20 years and is a co-founder of the Gulf Coast Bigfoot Research Organization, or GCBRO, Jim has a background in business management, but also served with the U.S. Army in Vietnam. With that experience, Jim is well acquainted with firearm safety and leads the team of hunters running a tight ship. Alrighty, so Jim Lansdale, welcome to Behind the Paranormal. Right. And uh, thank you for your service also. Yes, thank you for your service. Thank you for that. All right. Alrighty, so let's begin, uh, well, at the beginning, Jim. Uh, does Bigfoot exist and what physical evidence do you have? Uh, yes, it exists, and we've collected hair, uh, blood, tracks, uh, pictures. Uh, we have a gamut of everything uh, to prove that it exists in a court of law. We just don't have a corpse. Okay. Now, uh, you live... Well, actually, what, what did, before we even get to that, what is Bigfoot? In the sense that, that the approach mm. that seems to be taken by... People who are trying to g- gather physical evidence and uh, and even to hunt this, it in- indicates it's sort of a um, almost a, another uh, member of it's 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 just game or a physical creature that has no other uh, modus operandi. I mean, and there are people who will argue one way or the other. If you could sum up what Bigfoot is, is it an animal? Or, you remember the great ape family, as your blood tests seem to indicate. What, what would you say about that, Jim? Well, I think that it's uh, it's nothing more than an animal, and uh, the blood grouping that we had, it was a relative of the gorilla, the orangutan, uh, bonobo, and the chimpanzee. So uh, uh, by evidence that we find, and from obviously sightings, that's what we feel that it is, is nothing more than an animal. Okay. Logan, did you have a question? Uh, no, I was just... Uh, so the, the, the blood test that you got... Um, where did you send it off to, to where you, you got? Uh, uh, there was a lab. I sent it off to three labs, and mm. uh, two of the labs 
Uh, one of them kept running out of blood samples for some mm. reason, and the other one was up in New York City, and if you know anything about that genetist up there, he's a non-believer, and so I'm sure he filed 13 it. But uh, okay. in Tulsa, Oklahoma is where we got the, uh, the results from. Okay, cool. Okay, thank you. Now, that happened about 10 years ago, as uh, I understand? Well, in 2003. Oh, three. Okay. All right, very good. Did that come to the notice of biologists? I mean, you'd think they'd be all over that, or how? Would the, what was going on there? Well, you would think that, but no. I mean, it was just, you know, scientists are so afraid to get involved with any type of Bigfoot or considered a mythical animal that, uh, no, they're not going to throw their name in the hat until there's actually a corpse there. And then you couldn't whip them off of you, you know, because everybody will be in line trying to poke and gouge and collect uh, DNA. Well, you know, I have to agree with you there, Jim, because uh, in in our particular realm, uh, you know, we deal a lot with with physics or try to, and uh, most physicists, with the exception of one or two big names, uh, don't want anything to do with this, at least not publicly. They'll talk to you privately, maybe. Uh, the same thing with psychiatrists and psychologists. I mean, the the, the whole issue of uh, the nature of schizophrenia, which has nothing to do, because you don't want to be the schizophrenic Bigfoot either. But the, no. these various things, uh, you know, they have. There are certain theories that 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 we have that they'll agree with privately, but not publicly. So I hear what you're saying on that. So Jim, what other encounters have you had with Bigfoot? Ben, I'm stealing your questions here. It's it's okay. Okay, <laughs> I understand. I've had more than several encounters with him. Uh, the last one that I had that uh, was during daylight hours, uh, I was on the Sabine River. I'd seen several smaller ones, and I would say probably four to maybe five, five and a half, six foot tall, real slender. One was real shaggy, kind of a blondish shaggy, and the other one were dark, close-haired type of uh, creatures. And about 20 minutes before dark, now I'm talking about, I'm not by myself now, I have witnesses with me. Okay. We had a one about seven, maybe seven and a half foot tall walk out on the other side of the river on top of a knoll there. And he couldn't see us. We were under the bridge in the shadows. We were hidden. And he stood there for, I don't know, five or ten minutes just looking around. And we had an excellent view of him. One thing that uh, bothers me a little bit, is that I, I believe that I actually, I used to take this sort of thing with a, with a, a pillar of salt until it happened to me. And a lot of people will say that when it comes to general paranormal experiences, or Bigfoot in particular. And I've talked about this on the air before. Um, I don't know if in our, our pre-interview conference that we had with our casting producer whether I mentioned this to you or not. But in uh, September of last year in Pennsylvania, I had what I believe was very clearly a Bigfoot sighting, a, a very bright moonlit night. I was expecting something entirely different. I was looking in another direction, and it was very, very unexpected. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I do take these things more seriously than some because it's happened to me, and I believe that's sure. what it was, was a Bigfoot sighting. Um, so the question arises, why did you start hunting Bigfoot? You explained some of this in our conference, but um, why don't you tell our audience you know, why you started hunting Bigfoot? Well, you know, I'm an old woodsman, and um, I was 40 years old. Uh, I even saw anything, and I didn't even know what it was the night that I saw it. And uh, it was something crouched down by my son's feeder, and it had its hands or paws or whatever, and it was shaking this perforated feeder. And it looked up at us after a few seconds, had huge red eyes, and ran off quadruped into the Hawthorne thicket. Well, we didn't think anything more about that until the next year, 
and uh, uh, we started finding tracks. And we found one track was 19 and a half inches long and another one about nine and a half, maybe ten inches long that only had three toes. So, you know, something obviously left those there. And I know he, my son and I, we circled those tracks for, I don't know, probably 30, 45 minutes, you know, trying to discern exactly what it was. I mean, we just, it looked like a human track, but it only had three toes. And I'm like everybody else, what has three toes? You know, if you're mm. not a turkey or a, a bird. Mm. Right. And, uh, but this was definitely looked like a human foot. Well, I started staying later at the camp, and I started hearing things that I hadn't heard before. And, of course, I hunted down in these bottoms and had quite a few dogs at the time, and my dogs came up missing. And I'd hear them running, and then I'd, I wouldn't hear them running. And uh, as a matter of fact, I was telling the man this morning that I couldn't even find any hair, skeletal remains, hide, uh, collars, or anything. They were just disappearing like vanished. And, you know, after about 13 of them, you get to thinking something's getting them, you know. And uh, then I had a, a, a female, a jip, that had nine pups or eight pups, and something came up to her whelping bed and skinned and ate every one of them right there. And I'm not talking about, I'm talking about shut the hide just like we would have done and put the hide right back down on the bedding area. So I have a pretty good indication you have to have an opposable thumb to do that. Mm. And uh, so I knew, and I've been seeing them, you know, on occasion. Not all the time, but, but we would see them, and uh, they would scream at us, holler at us. Sometimes they'd emit the stench on us, and uh, it kind of progressed from there. Well, if and, you're hunting uh, me, I'd yell at you too, I suppose. <laughs> but but the thing is here that, um, it, and here's what, what really kind of bothers me again, is that in this area of Pennsylvania, where the, where the sightings, not just by me, but by a colleague of ours, also occurred, Shane Searway, whom all our listeners know as an occasional co-host, this is a... Everybody, we had a neighborhood meeting with like 20 households. Everybody has had a Bigfoot experience. Among other things, there are also strange lights and all things of this kind. Uh, one house had shadow people, so-called, and all this ghost-type stuff going on. But everybody, uh, Bigfoot seems to be pretty ubiquitous out there. And the thing you notice about the land, Jim, is that it's, it's rural, but it's farm country. So you've got farms and you've got patches of woodland. And my question, and maybe you can express an opinion on this, is how could such an area support a large population of large bipeds uh, who are, you don't hide very easily, physically speaking? Uh, and maybe what I'm getting at here, Jim, too, is is that you've got a lot of natives and other opinions of people with other opinions that these may be uh, coming back and forth across world boundaries of parallel re- parallel realities, which is pretty much a, a fact in one way or another in quantum mechanics, at least uh, the way some physicists look at it. So these things are possible. So how, how would a large population be supported in such a sparsely wooded area, in your opinion, or is there another explanation? Well, in our particular area where we hunt, uh, here in Louisiana and East Texas, Mississippi, and Oklahoma, it's hardly uh, just a small batches of wood. Oh, sure. I mean, we have complete areas that are forested and mountainous, and uh, down here in Louisiana, we have a lot of swamps, especially the further south you get. Mississippi is about the same way, and East Texas is is, is, is also that way. Uh, there's plenty of deer and hogs. Uh, if, I mean, we're overrun with hogs, So, and we know... Oh, the wild still, hogs? I've never seen... Go ahead. Did I say the wild hogs? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just literally thousands of them. 
and we're overrun with them, as a matter of fact, and we feel as if Bigfoot eats the pigs and also eats the, the deer they catch. And uh, then we don't know anything about metabolism, so we don't know how often they eat, like most large carnivores, they're going to eat about every 72 hours, but we don't know how often these creatures would, would eat. So okay. uh, we've seen them crawl into, well, I have a man that's seen them crawl into creek bank hole, uh, using caves, um, a lot of berries just to get out of the inclement weather. So uh, they can survive. They're really, really good at hiding. I don't know if you watched the program, but Don got a video <coughs> with his GoPro, and you can actually see one of them slip it and uh, stand with him. He put the GoPro, mounted it on the ninety deg- uh, on the side of his head, ninety degrees from the front, and he actually has a video of one stepping. So you know, following him in the woods. So you are a uh, an experienced yeah. woodsman, as you said, and you've sure. been hunting for twenty years, and you've only managed to wound one. Okay, why are they so difficult to track down and, and to uh Well, it's not that they're that difficult. Now, the track, it's almost impossible. But, yeah, I mean, I've turned down a lot of shots. I mean, we wouldn't shoot a female or a young, and I could have done that. Uh, and some of us could have done that on several occasions. Uh, finding a male Bigfoot that we think is not aggressive, and, and it's difficult to find them. Uh, we hunt the trails they come into these houses on, and that's about the best we can do at the time. Um they just terrify these homeowners. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, I've had shots at males. Okay. But it just wasn't what I wanted to shoot, and I wouldn't shoot them. So, well, let's uh, get to the nitty-gritty of what... we got a lot of irate emails. I guess the, 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 the name Killing Bigfoot just makes people <coughs> some people angry, you know, I mean. Sure. And we got a lot of irate emails from people uh, saying that we... Um, you know, what are you having them on for us? You know, we, we treat all guests with respect, and we listen with respect to all opinions. And so, you know, we don't suppress any opinions here. However, there are nevertheless questions. What do you say to people, and you must get this question a lot, Jim, what do you say to people when, when they say that this, you know, at, at worst may be a hominid, uh, an intelligent one, and we shouldn't be shooting them any more than we should be out shooting any, anybody else in that sense? I mean, what, what do you say to that? Well, here's the thing. If it is a hominid, Show me the evidence that supports that. And the second thing is, if you have a human coming around your home, killing your pets, killing your chickens and geese, beating on your house, throwing rocks at your house, screwing your children, your grandchildren, killing your family pets, uh, I would take care of him as well. So but, animal I mean, control that, just doesn't do it in this case. No, yeah. and you can call the police. They have no idea what's going on. Yeah. I mean, they think it's a, myth- a mythological animal. Uh, they have no training. And uh, just like you, you'd call a cop to come to one of your places, and he would be completely lost. He would know anything to do to help the people. So, some of the places I mean, I've been, I don't even know if there are cops. Have. For me? No, I said some of the places I've been, uh, so far I don't even know if they have cops. So, uh, it's true. Yeah. But, uh, but um, tell us what, in your opinion, how dangerous some of these can be to human life and property. Well... You know, killing your family pet is pretty dangerous as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. I have a lady friend that I've been dealing with for years that we did a pilot program down there with her. She has a cat that's lived under her house for two years. She has to feed it out of the house and won't even come out because of these creatures around. And uh, I had her grandson's been chased. We had another report come in just a couple of days ago about a young man riding a four-wheeler. Something grabbed his four-wheeler and picked it up. And, uh, yeah, they can be dangerous. They just, you know... 
people have come up missing without a trace. Uh, what other animal would kill them? And you couldn't find them other than a man. And uh, then you would find remnants. You'd find shoes, clothes, belts, something that uh, that they had left. But, I mean, they find nothing, no trace of a human at all. There was a guy over in, in East Texas that just disappeared some time back. They found his bicycle, but they didn't find anything else. So he was kind of traveling across the country and, and uh, would sleep underneath these underpasses. So, And he just completely gone. Okay. That's in contrast, though, to some stories uh, where, and, and I have to admit, you know, I, I'm not, I'm kind of, I try to be a feet on the ground person, you know, with a, to try to be as scholarly as possible and all this business. Sure. So, but when I had this, this, what I believe to be a Bigfoot experience, and and we we make no claims, but I mean, if it, I don't know if it wasn't, if it was something else, then I'm a hobbit. And I'm, I'm watching this, you know, these big legs go up, and I, I felt a sense. I didn't feel threatened at all because it wasn't that close. But I felt a sense of peace and well-being, and I'm not a New Agey type guy, but I don't know why I felt that. Um, so uh, obviously, this creature is not a danger in all cases. Uh, maybe it depends how it's treated. So maybe I, I might just submit if it knows it's it's being threatened. And and uh, what it really sounds like too, um, it sounds like a, a sense of uh, trying to establish territory because uh, a lot of Apes kind of go through the the first instance of like trying to scare off other primates with whether it's physical like uh, just puffing one's chest out doing stuff that just involves their self or like going into opposing tribes and then trying to scare them off. Um, that's what you know, especially primates they go in and do that. So what it sounds like too is which you know I could totally appreciate you know if you see it you don't shoot it. That's when you. The times that you've seen like a you know a, a child and stuff like that, but what it really sounds like it's uh, overlapping territories, which means there's like aggression on everywhere. Uh, from what it sounds like uh, to me, I guess as it's being described, does that make? Yeah, sense? Yeah, it makes sense to me. You know, I'm not a hunter, but I'm a shooter, and you mm-hmm. know, I mean, you get familiar with certain things. What do you say to that, Jim? I think it's maybe well, a territorial thing. Is not not all Bigfoot are are aggressive. Okay? Mm-hmm. And we know that. I mean, yeah, we've been fooling with them a long time. We've had the same occurrences where they would just simply walk away from us, avoid us, and we know that. And we're not after those at all. It's these ones that are, we think that are inbred, they show only three or two toes, they're aggressive around these people's homes. And when I start taking pictures of three-toed tracks at your window, bedroom window, he's there for some purpose. Right, that'd be and, terrifying, yeah, for sure. And you have to understand, this lady has to move our bed and sleep in the living room because she's terrified. Hmm. Uh, she walks through a mailbox, and it's probably 100 yards where she lives to her mailbox. She drives now because she was growled at. And so, <laughs> I mean, I understand uh, the no-kill uh, proposition here, but I also understand if they knew what we knew and talked to the people that we talked to and understood how they felt, you would understand why we hunt and do what we do. Well, I mean, I guess that that makes sense. It's sort of, you know, a lot of a lot of things that get over overlooked, I, I suppose, is uh, how the people that 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 are involved in the experiences. And so I can I can understand I can understand that. But let's let's shoot this in a different direction. Um, what constitutes evidence? Like, I, I remember I had a conversation with someone uh, a while ago at a convention who was talking about um, how they and their their ghost hunting team went into. Houses and they're like, oh, we're collecting evidence. And my first question was, well, who are you collecting evidence for? 
So who are you trying to prove Bigfoot's existence to? Uh, we're not trying to prove anybody's existence to, uh, to Bigfoot to anyone. Uh, that'll do that with a corpse only. Uh, so no, uh, we quit doing that years ago. Is trying to prove something to someone. And the evidence that we collect, you know, are tracks and, and, and uh, trails, uh, just things that we know that a Bigfoot uses coming back and forth to these people's homes and to their chicken pens and so forth and so on. But uh, as far as me trying to convince someone, no, I don't do that at all. Well, that's a, that's, a, that's admirable, at least. It's, it's well, we don't really do that either. No, no, yeah, we don't. Know, I don't need to prove anything, really. No. I don't know about you, Ben. exactly bad. right. <laughs> Yeah. No, not at all. I don't need to prove anything. Well, we're, we're out there trying to help people. That's why we look at sure. it. Sure. You know? And that's what we're doing. You okay. Know? Yeah. Same thing. Now, what would you say, and, and I'm going back to an earlier question, Jim, what would you say to in, in, indigenous peoples uh, who believe these are shapeshifters or keepers of the game or so, something positive? Uh, what, what do you say to them? And I'll give you one or two examples of this in a minute to get your opinion. But what, what do you say to people who... Uh, say that they um, they can't all be treated equally, and some are and as you say, some are more aggressive than others, some are not. Uh, what would you say to, to indigenous peoples or anybody else who thinks these are more than just animals? Well, what I would do is come to prove it with evidence, and uh, you know I've heard the tales, and 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 but there's no evidence whatsoever that supports anything that they claim. Uh, you know, you have an, uh, an account, and you're telling me your account. Well, anybody can tell me anything. But if you have evidence that supports that account or that claim, then we have something to work with. And uh, they've never shown me anything. Hmm. And I have shown them what it was. So, so, if that's that's the, the, so if that's the case, what constitutes evidence? We always ask that question. You know, you've got to have tracks. You need hair. You need sightings, witnesses that have seen one or them over a multiple uh, period of time. Uh, I mean, if they're shape-shifting, where are they here? I mean, why would they kill deer? Why would they kill hogs? Uh, well, let me get to the examples. And these are from Kentucky, uh, someone we interviewed there, uh, in reference to a local version of Bigfoot whom they call the Kentucky Wild Man. I'm sure you've heard of it. Sure. The, uh, <clears throat> there, this struck us. There was one occasion on which this creature was sighted, and deer were fleeing in terror, seemingly, you know, up, up this hillside, and it seemed to be hunting them. On another occasion... It looked like a very similar creature or the same one was seen by the same group of witnesses walking very serenely across a field amongst a group of deer. And the deer were not afraid. They, they were grazing calmly and this sort of thing. And that just kind of struck us as strange. I don't know why that would have occurred. But do you have any thoughts on that? Why would the deer be afraid of, of Bigfoot in one case, if that's what it was? And why terrified in another? I, I, that just didn't seem... You know, in similar environments. What would you say to that? Or have you seen anything like that? I have never seen anything like that uh, down there at my place. I've had deer come up. They were in a, a big foot was in a hunt. The deer would come up and stand in front of my truck or next to my truck out in this little field there and uh, scared to death. I've seen the big foot actually uh, come up and he reached up in a tree because I was there and he pulled off a huge uh, handful of bark and he was probably seven and a half, eight foot. He was... Uh, kind of a robust type of uh, Bigfoot, some that I see very seldom. And uh, I've never heard of anything like that. I, just, I hadn't. So uh, uh, did they really? I mean, how can they prove it? They have video? They have a, a picture or what? Well, it was good. Well, um, so as far as 
like, and I, I'm really intrigued by. Well, by I, that. let me just answer Jim's question. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and um, then, the answer, pretty much, not that we've seen Jim. No, right. Uh, just this bunch of witnesses. You know. But go ahead. Go and ahead. Um, so, as far as like, since okay, so what we're all going to try to go with this too is because like this is like a, you are not trying to prove this to anybody else. It's just kind of you know it exists and it's causing an immediate threat, which comes down to you have some proof. Of like you have the hair, you have uh, you had the blood. Um, do you have any other evidence, or, or used any sort of like various like hunting tracking methods uh, with like uh, motion activated uh, cameras placed during uh, high traffic areas, anything like that? Yeah, we've, uh, we've used trail cams and stuff. Like trail cams yeah. and stuff like that. Do, have you uh, been using anything like that? Yeah, we use trail cameras. We use video cameras. Uh, probably anything that you think of as far as trying to capture pictures and uh, mm-hmm. uh in several cases we've had the trail cameras skewed and another one i had a big limb propped on one of them mm-hmm. uh, so it's difficult to get pictures i did get right. pictures i've been tracking for three months and down in goldana and uh so i knew which way they came in at night and i did happen to get a picture that afternoon of them uh it's a pretty good distance but still you know i think there was nine of them in that yeah one photo so, so um so something else to consider that I've, I've always I've seen some people use something like this because since they obviously um, I guess the dogs do, do you, when you take the dogs out do they leave a scent or anything like that do they follow anything and it just kind of like stops or what do, how do your dogs react? My dogs uh, when I would take them they would always come back to me. Okay, um, and then they didn't really like follow any scents or anything no, like they that. Would not have anything to do with them because uh, i was trying to think of because sometimes like some some stories i've heard about it being like stenches and like like a stench and they'd be able to follow it so maybe like putting gopros on dogs and stuff like yeah. that well we'll come back to that we yeah. have to take our bottom of the hour break at this yeah, point sorry. folks uh i'm having a uh, <clears throat> that's fine don't worry about it <laughs> hey i'm still learning I'm just yeah, to be here. Right. <laughs> you're listening to behind the paranormal with paul and ben eno on woon 1240 AM broadcasting from New England's beautiful Blackstone Valley for the 70th year. And we're going to be right back with our guest, Jim Lansdale. Stick with us. Lou Mandeville here to tell you the only place to get your local high school and college scores, as well as the Pats, Bruins, Celtics, and Sox is on my morning sports reports. And they are right here on ON 1240, Monday through Friday on the Morning Fun Show. Okay, we're back behind the paranormal here uh, with Jim Lansdale of Killing Bigfoot, and we want to uh, let uh, Logan continue his question here because it's uh, an interesting train of thought, and then I have a few. Yeah, well, I'm really interested in that. Um, that uh, so the dogs have not been able to come up with any sense uh, or like be able to track any of the the Bigfoot's movements. Uh, well, for instance, I had a, one of my dogs that they eventually killed. Had her in the truck with my. Youngest son's little sleeping partner, mm-hmm. and we drove down, and of course my feeders, and we saw something run from underneath the feeder right at dark. So he went down, and it was a bigfoot. So we went down, and the dog jumped out. I got out. My son got out. The dog got a whiff of the track, jumped, went and got back in the truck. So we didn't want anything to do with whatever that was, and we didn't smell anything, nothing mm-hmm. at all. Hmm. All right. Well, now Jim. There's a common question, and I'd like to hear your answer to it, and that's, regardless of any hunting that's being done, why have no, you know, things die in the wild, you see the bodies of deer and things, and they don't last a long time, but why do you think in all these years, uh, as far as we know, 
no bodies of Bigfoot have been found? Well, you know, that's a good question, and I've thought about that many times myself, and what I'm thinking is I had a guy, as a matter of fact, one we shot down there that time, and he was a psychic from California, and he told me what it did. It crawled in a hole on the creek bank and died. And I looked and looked and looked, and of course I couldn't find it. But it does make sense. If they crawled in holes or a drug in a hole, you never would find the bones. Hmm. And if they're cannibalistic, uh, they're eating it while they're in the hole. And uh, people say, well, how do you know they crawl into holes? Well, we've seen them. I have a, a, a real good friend of mine that actually saw two of them crawling through a small hole and off the creek uh, down south of them. Hmm. So we know they do. They also walk in the middle of the creek. Uh, I don't know if it's not to leave tracks or whatever, uh, but uh, there's a lot of things they do that just baffle your mind. The only time this one would touch the bank is when he would step into a hole, probably lose his balance a little bit, and he'd reach up, touch the bank. But uh, they're just weird creatures. Are they smart? Yeah. Yeah. You know? All right. Is there, As a hunter, is there any other animal you can name that is comparable to Bigfoot as far as how difficult it is to find habits uh, or inability to find bodies? Well, down here where I am, no. Uh, down here in the south, you know, because we don't have any other large animals other than what I'd consider a Bigfoot. We have deer, you know, and so forth, and we find bones and skeletal remains. Uh, what they would do would catch and eat a deer, and they would put get them a little rectangle and about a 10 by 12, and every bone of that deer skeleton would be in that rectangle. Buzzards or predators or varmints, nothing would haul those bones out. And uh, so and I've been feeding them deer carcasses forever and didn't know it. So. Hmm. Okay. Do you, have you identified different species of Bigfoot? The reason I ask is because with uh, Shane Searway's experience in Pennsylvania and my experience in Pennsylvania, which were within a few months of each other, the hair color was different. So is is this just like phase seasonal phases, or what do you know about these uh, sort of a, from a biological standpoint, uh, hair color and all that business? And and you mentioned also release of of the the stench that is sometimes associated. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, the stench, as we call it, is something that they can emit, something like a gorilla does, and it's either because they're angry or uh, or just want you to leave them alone. I mean, there's a a lot of reasons why they will admit the stench. Uh, and they don't smell like that all the time. If they did, we could track them down with our nose. Uh, but they do emit it. Uh, we've, uh, some of them at various degrees. And how large the animal is, is the stink stench that they put out. So, uh, I mean, it, it, it's a horrible stench. If you've ever smelled it, you'll never forget it. Yeah. And the other question was what? Well, essentially, that uh, the different hair colors. You know, are there different species yeah. that you have identified? Species well, of varieties. You know what I'm thinking, and, and 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 I'm thinking that we have a different species down here in the South, it, different than what I would think in the Pacific Northwest, and maybe even on the East Coast, is because we have three-toed tracks. Is that caused by inbreeding? I mean, two-toed tracks. Is that caused by inbreeding? We would think so, is because loss of digits happens when you're inbred over a period of time. But the physical, uh, see the agility of them. Ours are quadruped, okay? And we think all of them nationwide are quadruped as well. But uh, they've never been reported. You know, some of them report seeing them quadruped, you know, run off or whatever. Yeah. But ours are. And 
of course, these thickets down here, they can navigate no problem. Um, hair color just depends on the time of season and where they are. Uh, most of them that we see are like a, a real dark brown. I have seen a gray one, and, uh, of course, that young one was kind of a blonde, shaggy-haired one. And that's the only one I've ever seen. But they all look, hey, I had one up come up underneath my deer stand years ago, and I was using a pond bleak, and... I just happened to see something on my peripheral vision. I turned to my left and looked down. This thing was standing there looking at me. It was about five and a half, maybe six foot tall. And it looked like it had Down syndrome. And the cheeks, you know how they droop on children? Hmm. And that's what it reminded me of. It had a neatly parted hair. Uh, uh, of course, that was a crown of the head, I suppose. Uh, big eyes. And that's about all I saw. Because I just got a, it instantly wheeled off and ran off on all fours. But was standing there on its uh, two back legs when I first saw it. Okay, Jim, I'm going to give you a chance right now. I'd like to have you talk about your show, the website, where people can find out more about this, and especially where people can see some of the evidence you've, you've assembled. You know, there's some pictures and videos online, this sort of thing. Tell us about that before I get into any more questions, because we're going to burn up this hour. <laughs> okay. Well, the program is called Killing Bigfoot, and it's produced by Peter Gamer and his wife, Cherie. Okay, these award-winning producers uh, do excellent work. Uh, the name of our organization is Gulf Coast Bigfoot Research Organization, gcbro.com. Uh, you can go there. I'm pretty sure there's evidence there that you can see. Uh, uh, we've been around for, God, I can't remember, I think 20-plus years. And uh, Bobby and I have been friends that long, so it, we've been going for over 20 years. Um, pretty, uh, pretty good sized organization. We get numerous people who want to join uh, every week after the program is shown. We have numerous people that want to join our organization. Uh, but that's about it. You know, you okay. can look at Facebook, Jim Lansdale. I've got some stuff there. Uh, I think most of us do. Okay. I've seen the show. It is it is very interesting. I kind of like the way it's it's uh, formatted. I don't know if our film like, filmmaker would agree. Uh, however, no. I just I, I want to get into a question, and I've asked something like this twice, Jim, and it just it just it bothers the heck out of me. And I just wanted to, to maybe get a little deeper into it. Now, you describe your area, because you know being, it's very different from either Western Pennsylvania, where we've been working, or certainly from Rhode Island here, which is legendary for its tininess. Um, all icebergs are compared with Rhode Island, you know, in size and when they break off Antarctica and all this business. But there have been Bigfoot sightings here. I've talked to witnesses. Uh, one of them was within 10 miles of where we sit here in Woonsocket, Rhode Island, in Burrowville, and it was a white Bigfoot. You know, one thinks of the uh, abominable snowman right. or the adorable snowman or whatever. And one, one thinks also, uh, and I, I knew people in the, the uh, Army National Guard here. Um, I was, well, I, I won't tell you the context, but there's a, an area called the Great Swamp in Rhode Island. And a lot of Rhode Island is very rural. The development is concentrated around Narragansett Bay pretty much, but we're only like 800 and something square miles, and half of that's underwater. But a lot of that is rural. The Great Swamp area, there are a lot of, um, uh, there have been a lot of military exercises by the National Guard there, and I've talked to at least 10 members of the National Guard, some of them relatively high-ranking officers who have seen Bigfoot broad daylight their own eyes, okay? Mm -hmm. And my question is, again, 
where does this population live in an area that's as developed as the Northeast, you know, albeit rural areas here, they still got people around. Uh, it just bothers me if this is an ordinary game creature, uh, or even an intelligent hominid. Why wouldn't there be a huge dent in other animal populations? Yeah, and, and why don't people see them more often? I mean, it's just, I know people are busy, they don't pay attention. Mm. But, um, I don't know, just, what do you think about that, Jim? It just, it bothers me in areas that are very developed to people see Bigfoot. I mean, where does it live? Where does, you know, where does it hide? Like in the basement? I don't know. <laughs> That's, that tended to live in the basement. <laughs> Maybe they do hide in the basements up there. I don't know, but. Yeah, uh, anything can happen in Rwanda. <laughs> Especially <laughs> if they're politicians. Yeah. Find your waterways. They travel these waterways, okay? And if you have rivers and streams, creeks and whatever, they'll travel those, okay? Mm-hmm. Just like the North American Indians did. And the reason being because you have water, you have cover, and you have food to eat if you can catch it. And that's what they do. I mean, you may find them in an area. Do, do they migrate? I don't think they migrate. I think that they have certain areas that they go to. Uh, you remember a large predator is going to eat about every 72 hours. Uh, think about his metabolism, you know, how does he control it? Uh, what would he have to eat? How often? Uh, there's a lot of variables here that, that make you scratch your head and think, well, where could they live? I thought that for years and years and years until I started finding people and knowing people and people seeing them crawling the uh, holes in the banks of these creeks. And um, so, I mean, it kind of opened the eyes uh, to what I could find, what I could see. But in the northern part of where you guys are, it would be awfully cold and difficult. I would think, for any large population of, of, of Bigfoot to remain in that area. Uh, and, of course, that's just my opinion. Yeah. Uh, no, no, anybody's opinion is valid. I mean, it's a difficult question. So, yeah. okay, the day comes, Jim, when you're out there and you have what? You have like six or eight people in your team, right? Ten. Ten, okay. Mm-hmm. Somebody shoots a Bigfoot. What happens mm-hmm. then? Who are you going to oh, call? Think we're going to... We're going to go get the corpse, and uh, that's the main thing is for discovery. And then after we get the corpse in, I can't tell you because that's something we can't kind of hold dear to our chest. Uh, we don't tell everything that we do. Uh, we do know that uh, you have to do things and, and, you know, have to get the media involved, and that's something that we'll do. Of course, you have to take samples, varying samples of, of, of what you want, uh, and then you have to call the right people in. And that's what we'll do, and of course, you know, it's got to be refrigerated. There's a lot of things that have to happen. Okay. Uh, there, I have another question on that subject, but there's something else that we discussed during our, our pre-interview uh, phone call, and uh, I didn't quite get a chance to ask this at the time. Mm-hmm. There was uh, an instance in which you thought that a Bigfoot had been shot, and you went, I believe it was in Louisiana, and, and you went to check it, and it was some other kind of animal. Could you tell us about that, and what kind of animal was it? that somebody thought might well, have been a Bigfoot. The thing that it was, it wasn't. It was down in, in uh, South Louisiana, and what it was, it was an animal kill that was run over. I don't know if it was shot or not, Oh, but uh, it was real shaggy, real dark furred, and uh, uh, it looked like a child dog to me. Now, I don't know. Some of the investigators went down, and they checked it, and I think what they came up and surmised that it was just a very long-haired type of uh, chow dog. And uh, I'm trying to think of where it was, and I can't even think of the name of it, and, and I know it will. Well, I hope you all uh, chipped in to get the new glasses for this person, because <laughs> it made to mistake a child for a possible Bigfoot. That, I don't know. Well, it wasn't a child. It was a dog. Yeah. A child dog. Yeah. And, and the thing about it is, had you seen it, uh, 
You can look that. It's called the Ritter Roadkill. That was it. If you could Google that and look that up, you'll see what I'm talking about. Okay. Uh, to me, the feet are dead giveaway what it is. Uh, it's a dog. Right. But, uh, you know, other people see other things, and I didn't inspect it. I just saw a picture of it. Okay. But if you want to look at it, that would give you a place to go to Ritter Roadkill, D-E-R-I-D-D-E-R, in Louisiana. Debrit. Okay, we'll, we'll check that. Yeah. Um, before I ask another question, do either of you fellows have... After you, Logan. Oh, I, I think you're covering it on... My thing is about gather, gathering proof, and I know you guys are trying to do that. Uh, yeah. we'll, we will be waiting yeah. for, for this, because like, like, you seem to be uh, you know, pushing for it and using that, that hunter's eye and the hunter's edge. Uh, and so when you're actually able to get that whole... Um, even just like getting videos to release to... Uh, and, and somehow nailing down its its living pattern. I think that's the bit, the biggest thing is like knowing where it burrows, knowing where it lives. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you're on the right path with that, and we're definitely uh, on edge. You know? Well, that, that's a very positive uh, approach, Logan. However, yeah, I, 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 I must <laughs> I must rain on the parade by saying that uh, we, you know very often there, there's physical evidence of all sorts of things. Uh, I'm thinking of Ted Phillips out in Missouri, oh, yeah. who has a uh, fantastic amounts of physical evidence for UFO landings. But but mainstream scientists who, as you know, Jim, have to follow a political line, really, um, and we, we were talking before about uh, some of the, uh, you know, having worked in psychiatric hospitals as a, as a grad student, you know, there were uh, psychiatrists and psychologists who would, would agree with some of my strange theories about what the nature of some was these some of these patients were going through. They seemed mm-hmm. to be paranormal things going on, and uh, but publicly they would never say that. So the point being that I'm thinking of things like the the Minnesota Ice Man and, and other examples where there have been seemingly uh, bodies certainly, uh, and the scientists have not believed that it's what people say it is. You know, regardless of any testing. In other words, you're going to be up against a lot of, of really tough skepticism that goes against the scientific grain, and a lot of scientists, unfortunately, as you know, are not necessarily seekers of the truth, uh, but more seekers of grants and things of this kind, yeah. with all due respect. How are you going to deal with that, even if you have a Bigfoot body? You know, I mean, and, and maybe that won't be a problem. Maybe they'll be so... Uh, amazed that it won't be a problem, but I just can't help but look at it that way because it's happened before in other yeah. cases of physical evidence. What would you say to that, Jim? Well, I know for a fact that once a corpse is there, that uh, the gates will be flooded with scientists and these skeptics trying to get in to see what it is. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a pretty good blow to, to what we know and what we've learned. And, and, you know, is this creature supposed to be here? And no. Uh, you know, I have a lot of things. And something that you guys didn't mention is that what it could be was, and I had a guy t- text me this morning that he thought it was a Nephilim, you know, and, and think about it. Uh, well, uh, what, please? Wrong? No, I cannot. No, I, I didn't, get, I didn't get what you said. What, what, what was it? Well, one of the Johnson in the Bible, a Nephilim. So. Oh, Nephilim. Oh, right, 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 yeah. right, right. Yes, yes. And can you prove him wrong? No, I can't. You well, know, you have to know what a nephilim is. Yeah. I mean, that's right. yeah, that's that's a it's a funny word in Hebrew, but that's for another show, maybe. That's a, who knows? I mean, it it says that there were there were a number of ancient texts, not just Genesis. There there were giants in the earth in those days. That's right. So what does that mean? You know, and there were Gigantopithecus certainly is one of the possibilities. That's a known 
form of hominid is a long extinct. So who knows what what these things could be? But sure, um, that's, that's right. But we haven't got much time left. But I did want to ask you, Jim. You have not been able to shoot one yet, and you've been hunting for twenty years. What what are you going to change over the next few years? What are your next steps in this quest? Well, I don't think we're going to change anything. And what we're looking for is I've. Oh, did we? Did we lose him? Did we lose him? Oh. Uh. Well. Okay, that's funny. Because <laughs> my. That was on his end, weirdly oh, enough. Was? Yes. My final question was going to be: um, Have you had any government interference? There, there is some mm. rumors around, and more than rumors in some cases, that they're trying to hush this up just as much as they're trying to hush up a lot of other things, or UFOs and all this business. And we have our own theories about why that happens. We're going to, have, uh, Jim, if you're listening, uh, just give us a call back. We do have a few more minutes. Um, if not, maybe we'll have you back to discuss these other questions. So, oh, that was weirdly well timed. <laughs> yeah, we're asking yeah. about the government, and then we lose the phone call. Well, we didn't ask him. Yeah, <laughs> I was about to. That's even weirder. Well, uh, I don't. We, I was. Gonna, I wanted to. If we had more time, get into flap areas because Bigfoot always turns right. up, or something people interpret as Bigfoot. You've got the UFOs. You've got the the, the quote unquote the hauntings and the military. And we're seeing that in the Bridgewater Triangle in Massachusetts. Uh, yeah, I, I was I was curious about that if if he ever ran into other paranormal phenomena. Exactly. Yeah. While whilst hunting. And the Litchfield Triangle in Connecticut. Yeah, I'm and so the Pennsylvania to, Triangle. Like if if he had got was able to get a scientist on the team along with someone that would be reputable with some something to in order to to gain some sort of credibility. Well, I'm thinking of, of like, yeah, that's right. Of um, of like if you if you want that, then like okay, well, what does it take to get credibility? You get people that know. Like what it means to navigate the the community, whether it's yeah. at a university or something like that, and then have them be a part of their research, not bridging the gap of like you're hunting as a hunter, or mm-hmm. and then like having that yeah. idea of like okay, well we need to document it, we need research, we need like proof that cannot be denied. Well, exactly. Despite what we said about scientists following the party line, there are always one or two who are willing. To be able to kind of renegade. Yeah, that's why I'm so way. optimistic. I'm like, well, yeah. yeah, if you get that proof, man, like I will. Oh sure, I will be so excited about it. It's yeah. just getting people on that team to help find it. Exactly, exactly. Well, I'm thinking too of, of the team from Finding Bigfoot. Okay, it's a show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I personally, I enjoy. And uh, maybe that maybe he's calling back. It's a show I enjoy, but they then they do have Renee, who is a has an undergraduate degree in biology, but she does have a degree in biology. She's a field biologist. Oh, I think we might have Jim back here. Oh, cool. Do a few more minutes. Okay. Oh, Jim, are you back? Yeah, finally, huh? Isn't that strange? It's funny. We were just going to ask you if you run into any government <laughs> uh, kind of, kinds of things because we find we have some some uh, testimony that uh, they're trying to hush hush up the Bigfoot thing just as much as they are UFOs and all this business. Have you ever run into a, a static uh, from that direction? Sure. Um, and, and I might be paranoid about things, uh, and I don't know this, but if I am, I have other guys that are associated with me who are just as paranoid, and... At times we'll be talking and you can hear our phones clicking like someone is trying to listen to the conversation. Yeah. And the only time this happens is with the hunters. It's not with I can talk to you or anybody else. I never hear anything. But mm-hmm. when I'm talking to my hunters, then I start getting these little clicks. And I don't know what it is. I'll be honest with you. You know, it may be nothing. But I'm just saying that's what we do get. Now, after we did shoot that creature down in 2003, I was in Washington, D.C., and uh, there was a guy that was wearing dark sunglasses and a suit, 
kind of thin-looking guy, and he kept following me around. We're down in the subway, and he kept following me around. And uh, so I told my daughter, I said, well, I'm going to move over there by him. You take a picture. Of course, she did. And uh, we've lost the picture somewhere. But he was kind of a weird-looking dude, you know? Mm-hmm. So, and I don't, I don't know if it was a man in black or, or just somebody, you know, that had the hat on and sunglasses. Just same odd. When you're a subway down in Washington, or any subway, uh, how do you wear sunglasses to see the walk? Oh, you know? I know it. Yeah. It's really and, difficult. Uh, we've been there, done that, my friend. <laughs> I, I mean, we, we've had similar experiences. When we were on uh, CBS doing the Rendlesham Forest UFO thing with nothing to do with Bigfoot, although we, when we were in England, people were testifying they see Bigfoot in Rendlesham Forest. Or Yeti, wow, as they crazy, huh? Yeti, as they call it over there, you know, yeah. and uh, you know, hence some of my questions about you know where would this population live, but everything goes on in these we call them flap areas. So, mm-hmm. not just with the government issues, but but issues of uh, uh, looking for crossover phenomena. We, we investigate these areas, and we told you about Pennsylvania, because Connecticut, Massachusetts, and now, now Texas, which is really strange because everybody's dying who's associated with that case. Um, you know, we do run into Bigfoot uh, associated wow. with seemingly, at least in the same areas where people are seeing, you know, haunted stuff and all this business that has never been thought of as being in any way connected, and we tend to think they are. Do you, that's a long question, but do you ever, uh, have occasion to run into people who are having Bigfoot experiences but are also seeing UFOs or are also uh, having uh, poltergeist phenomena in their homes, anything like that, or has that come up? Well, yes uh, and no. It's, as far as me seeing a UFO, uh, uh, as long as I've been in the woods and the many things that I've done out there, I have never seen a UFO uh, that I can recall mm-hmm. unless I was hypnotized or whatever and forgot. But no, I've never seen one. I've seen Bigfoot out there in those woods many times, or I say many times, more than several. Uh, now, about people having poltergeists happen around their homes that do have these creatures, uh, yeah, I know of several occurrences that have happened now, but could it just be a coincidence that Bigfoot happened to be seen in the area and then they had this poltergeist, you know? Yeah, maybe. Uh, I mean, I've, I've got a picture of, a, of an apparition sitting on the couch at a lady's house. Hmm. So... Uh, and I'm not a ghost hunter like you guys. I mean, I'm not, I'm into Bigfoot. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, and, of course, the lady had Bigfoot around her home. But, I mean, it's just weird things like that happen. I've seen orbs floating of different colors, uh, you know, at night when I'm out. Yeah. But uh, no UFOs whatsoever. Okay. All right. Well, Jim, a, a very, very fascinating conversation. We'd love to have you back to get to some stuff we didn't get to. But uh, just for now... Uh, you fellas have any final comments? Because I want to have Jim give his website again. No, we're pretty much out of time, so I'll okay. save time. All right, Jim, uh, give us your website one more time, and uh, we'll let you go. Okay, you can go to the Killing Bigfoot website, and it's on Facebook, or you can go to gcbro.com, which is our uh, mother uh, website, and uh, we have information there, and of course they'll have videos and so forth and so on, and, and just enjoy it. If you have a comment, you can write in to us, you know, just... Don't call us uh, a bad name. Right. Because, uh, I'll write you back and call you a bad name. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Jim, a great pleasure. We'll be in touch off the air. Thank you very much. Good. Thank you, Artie. Thank you. Bye. Okay. All right, Ben, uh, what are our announcements for today? Well, we have plenty. So our new book, Behind the Paranormal, Everything You Know is Wrong, is in most bookstores, and even if they don't have it, they can get it. It's also available on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and other online retailers. Uh, But if you're really serious, you can get an autographed copy at our show website, BehindTheParanormal.com, or our main website, NewEnglandGhosts.com. 
Okay, we had a great time yesterday during our event and signing at the Barnes & Noble Bookstore in Hadley, Massachusetts. Many thanks to Tom Champine there and all the great folks we met. It was a lot of fun. It was a busy, busy store, too. It was very interesting. Alrighty, so this coming uh, Saturday, March 11th, we'll do a presentation and signing right here in our ON1240 radio listening area at the Book Lovers Gourmet Bookstore, 55 East Main Street, Webster, Massachusetts, beginning at 2 p.m. And okay. following week, uh, that's March uh, 18th, so that's also a Saturday, uh, we'll be presenting and signing at the Toadstool Bookstore in Keene, New Hampshire. All right, uh, major events where we will be speakers this spring will include the 2017 Northeast Parafest in Kittery, Maine on April 29th and the Saucer Symposium at the uh, KRI Center for Consciousness Studies in Stratham, New Hampshire on May uh, 20th to 21st. And on the 21st, we'll do the live show noon to 1 p.m. from that event uh, with a panel of the speakers and take another 10 years off Ben's life because he has to produce that. It's going to be great. And that brings us to <laughs> Saturday, June 24th, and back to the Danbury Public Library in Connecticut where we will do something we've never done before, a presentation specifically for young people aged 7 to 14 years of age, the program Monster Hunters, a cryptozoology workshop with Paul and Ben Eno. Maybe Ooh. we'll do a uh, on-location phone call there with yeah. uh, Jim Lansdale. <laughs> In fact, stimulated by this whole idea, we plan to raid our radio scripts and case files and put together maybe a book about cryptids for young people, but that there, there are some legal rights complicated. <laughs> we got to deal with our publisher and see what happens. Yes. Anyway, new events are being added frequently, so check BehindTheParanormal.com or our show uh, Facebook page for updates. Now, before we do anything else, uh, well, Logan... Tell us a little bit about where people can find out more about you and the films you've, uh, the, the brilliant films you've been working on and have made. That is a wonderful question. I'm finishing up my website, uh, which would be you know, loganfreeman.com. But uh, right now you can see me on Vimeo and Facebook. Uh, just kind of add me on there, and I'll be glad to talk about trying to. We're trying to document all the, these happenings because we're trying to uncover the truth here. Because uh, that's basically what I, why I make film uh, anyway. So it's just mm-hmm. trying to figure out that next step to, to keep doing that, you know? Cool. Okay, I want ben. to believe. I want to believe. I yeah. want to be Mulder. Well, we got coming <laughs> up next week, Ben. Alrighty, so next uh, next Sunday, I should say, March 12th, uh, we will bring you an open line show uh, specifically about the Renosham Forest uh, UFO incidents of 1980 with eyewitness Steve LaPlume in studio. And so get your questions in now, Paul, at BehindTheParanormal.com for those. Okay, yeah, and I should say that this is uh, one of them. We, we've done more on this show over the years on CBS and here on 1240 uh, on that Rendlesham Forest UFO landing soon case. Soon it will be 17 hours. Soon it will be 17 hours because U.S. Air Force personnel witnessed a lot, including high-ranking officers, witnessed a lot of this stuff. And Steve is one of the witnesses, and he's going to be with us uh, here next week. So we leave you this afternoon with a very moving thought from that old darling Albert Einstein. The true sign of intelligence is not knowledge, but imagination. I'm Paul Eno. And I'm Ben Eno, and thanks for joining us on our great... Hey. Oh, I'm sorry. Give Logan a chance to say goodbye. Oh, and I'm Logan Freeman. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there you go. So thanks for joining all of us on this great journey. And we shall see you behind the paranormal. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.